Welcome to the Impact Multiplier CEO Podcast. If you're a chief executive, or if you think like one, and you want to create exponentially greater impact, then this show is for you. My name is Richard Metcalf, founder of X Quadrant. I coach some of the most successful and impressive CEOs and executive teams on the planet and help them achieve extraordinary results. And no matter how successful you've been in the past, there's always a whole new level of impact available to you. So if you're ready to play a bigger game than ever before, I invite you to join us and become an Impact Multiplier CEO. Is your executive team underperforming? How would you know? Today, we're starting season three of the Impact Multiplier CEO podcast, and we're here to talk about high value creating teams. There's so many different ways in which teams can perform really well or add lots of value, lots of things that can be done. There's so many different variables that forms a really interesting discussion. So I'm Davina Stanley. I'm delighted to be here with Richard today for the um, first of this season of the Impact Multiplier CEO podcast. Hi, Richard. How are you? Hi, Dav. Yeah, I'm great. Thank you. Really looking forward to um, for this next season, which uh, is a thrilling topic, one of, you know, close to my heart. How do you create value-creating teams at the very highest level in a company, which can make so much difference? Um, and it's great to have you here um, to, um, to be my sparring partner uh, on, this, on this season. So before we jump in, why don't we, um, why don't we introduce you a little bit? Why don't you tell, us, uh, tell our 5.3 million listeners um, a little bit about you uh, and your background and, um, and what, the angle that you're looking at, at this from? Oh, terrific. Thank you, Richard. Um, So I help people communicate complex ideas and I work across any discipline. And I guess in the simplest way, we're talking about helping people communicate the right message to the right people in the right way, which sounds like such an easy thing to do. But as you know, the strategy and the tactics of doing that, aside of just being able to clarify your thinking, is really quite challenging. So it's wonderful work and it really overlaps with leadership in so many ways. Which is why you and I have had such terrific conversations recently. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know you have this fantastic program called Clarity First, and it uh, I think really helps people who are experts in their field communicate in an impactful way at senior levels. And I see that in my clients all the time, right? It's in those critical moments in the board meeting, in the key presentation, and as topic of today in the executive team meeting where your ability to be strategic and communicate the essentials in a powerful way is really important. Absolutely critical. No, it's it's such one one of the core skills, isn't it, to be able to to master when you are at that leadership level and have the right level of influence to participate really actively and to today's topic, add great value to that team. So, um, Richard, what is the difference in your mind between high-performing teams and high-value-adding teams? Are they well, not the same thing? Well, everyone uses the term uh, high-performing teams. It just trips off the tongue, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Uh, mm-hmm. I really prefer the, the, the title, you know, high-value-adding team or high-value-creating team or actually perhaps high-value-multiplying team if you oh, want to really, if you really yes. want to push out there. Because yes. a high-performing team sounds a bit like a tick-box exercise. It sounds like it's a destination somewhere we want to get to um, rather than perhaps a uh, an ever 
uh, a target that we're always looking to get to. Um, and I think in particular, it's, it assumes a stable backdrop because perform, how do you measure performance? Well, you only measure it if you've got a very stable backdrop that you can see, am I winning, am I losing? How am I performing or against this classic set of rules? In business, especially these days, things are changing fast. Things are not the same. Um, success in the future will be different from success in the past. And the context is different. If the business has grown 20% in the last year, is that good or bad? Did the executive team do a good job? If shareholder return on the surface, doesn't it? Yeah, but did we just ride a wave? Perhaps the market grew 100% per year, um, or perhaps uh, perhaps the market um, grew 20%. Everybody else was working flat out, and the executive team were actually putting spokes in the wheels, and actually they succeeded despite <laughs> the high-level team, despite themselves. Right? Or, yes. or alternatively, perhaps without the exec team, the business would have only grown 10%. It's impossible to say, really, when you look at it at that level. Um, and so I think the idea of a value-creating team for me is to be able to step back and say, what is the impact that we as a team, and in this case, an executive team, uh, is making? What would have happened if we hadn't been there? Uh, what would the company lose if we never actually met? And it's a really pertinent question for executive teams. Um, some executive teams really are just the functional leaders meeting up and just interlocking around a few issues. Um, yeah, do they even need to meet and that's the case or can they just send each other a few reports? Um, Absolutely. So the question is, if how as a team do we want to add value into the business and improve the outcomes for all our stakeholders, our employees, our shareholders, uh, the environment, the community that we live in, um, uh, customers, uh, there might be others. But how do we actually yeah, but add also value? Just, yeah, add value, but also I think it sounds like what you're saying there is, is how do you add value more than others perhaps who are doing the similar things. So it's not just about, you know, do we add value in, in a, 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 you know, measurable sense, but are we actually mm. doing as well as we possibly could with what mm. we have in that environment? And I think, you know, question for you, how, what are some signs? How would you actually know, given all of that noise around what's happening with, around the leadership team, how do you actually know if the team mm. is performing or actually adding lots of value? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. And actually, I can kind of come up with a long list, but I'm going to give you three, uh, because obviously there are many love signs. Love three, love three. Yeah, there we go. Three is a good number. So th there are many signs potentially, right, uh, based on the business, many indications that you're going, actually, there's something not quite gelling here. And it's an important question because no organization can really be healthier than its number one team. So any issues we find in that number one team kind of end up propagating across the entire culture mm. uh, and organization. But the first one I would say is, I would describe it as a lack of ownership. CEOs say to me all the time, you know, my team, they're... Yeah, they don't really own the final business outcomes. I, I like to liken it to uh, if you go to a restaurant with with friends and you will agree to chip in and, and, and pay your part of the bill, then if you're the one who's actually kind of booked the restaurant, you end up finding there's a gap between what everyone has put in and what the final <laughs> bill is. And many CEOs have been in that question. Everyone's doing their bit, but somehow there's this gap that the CEO feels they need to kind of um, fill in to try to actually achieve the overall outcomes. So lack of ownership. Um, the phrase I use is, you know, do you have a group of highly valuable people 
or do you have a high value creating team? Love that. Mm. And I think what happens as people rise up through management ranks, first of all, they're, they're great problem solvers and technical experts in their part of the business. Then they're given what I call minions, right? They have a team, a small team to kind of help scale their genius and, and do stuff so that they can do more things. And then suddenly these very senior people who have been good at driving value in the pyramid underneath them are suddenly part of a team of peers from different functional areas. And they're mm -hmm. being asked to put aside their own laser focus on their own KPIs to focus on a shared endeavor, where in fact, yeah. some of these KPIs are even going to conflict perhaps, right? Or go against each other, you know, sales and cost and quality and um, risk. These are all kind of pulling in different directions. And so there's a real shift that needs to happen for those very senior leaders to actually become a team that doesn't just take responsibility for functions, but takes responsibility for the overall business. And there's a whole wealth of skills that are needed there, aren't there? You know, when you're driving an agenda that's very clear and within your technical discipline, your critical thinking skills, for example, are very sharply focused, whereas you've got to really fine tune them to work in a different way when you're going across, don't you? Yes. To, you know, use them at first principle level rather than mm. having that content knowledge to evaluate whether you agree with something or not, whether you mm. think something's a good idea or not. But then also just, of course, your interpersonal skills, how you negotiate, how you um, listen, how you um, participate in the meetings and add value and actually are present when something doesn't seem at first perhaps to add direct value to your own line as well. There's all sorts of things going yeah. on there, aren't there? Yeah, I mean, so one of the things I see, you know, I would typically see in for those teams is in the meetings, people will kind of stay in their functional areas. They'll, mm -hmm. con you know, the HR person will contribute to the HR discussion, not necessarily to the business transformation discussion, um, even though obviously HR is a big, is a big feature in that, or the sales person will talk about the sales things, but not necessarily in regulatory aspects. And of course, I'm not saying everyone has to be an expert in every area, but there is just that lack of you know, feeling legitimate to step outside the functional hat that they're wearing. I often suggest to teams, I think about you've got two hats, you've got your functional leader hat, and then you've got your executive team business leader hat. Um, when you have your functional hat on, you're really representing your function, and you bring that technical expertise. But you're also there very much to take the cross-functional look with the business leader hat on to drive the business outcomes. And when teams start to think about, oh yeah, what was the last thing I said? Which hat was I wearing? Then there can be a bit of an aha. You know, I've just spent the whole meeting with my functional hat on. Yes, yes. And it sort of encourages, I guess, lots of curiosity too, doesn't it? And if you're very busy running your own piece of the business, mm. to actually take a breath and step back and be curious and interested enough about other areas of the business so that you can ask really good questions, I think, is, is quite a skill, isn't it? And yes. just practically hard to achieve. Yes, mm. exactly. So, so I think lack of ownership, which is to say really strongly related to fun being functionally minded, uh, and not, um, in a sense, not even realizing that the exec team is your primary team as a leader. I often say that I have a thing called loyalty test. It's a little tool, which is just what's your number one team? People often say, well, it's my function. You know, I kind of, I've recruited these people. They, they report to me. I have responsibility for them. Um, but when people feel that that is uh, their primary team, 
then the exec team becomes the United Nations. It just becomes a group of people lobbying for resources and driving their own agenda. Mm-hmm. But when it's flipped, when the execs say, actually, no, I'm an executive team driving the business, we agree our priorities together. And then we then go into our functional uh, organizations mm-hmm. and now work out the implications for that. That's a very different dynamic. No, very different, very different. And I think that leads really well into your second point, doesn't it, about not necessarily just being task focused, but being more strategic as well. You know, if yeah. you're looking across at your peers there, you're, you're naturally going to want to be more strategic, aren't you? Exactly. So the first point is lack of ownership. The second point is, mm. is, is, is being too task focused. So mm. uh, one client that I've worked with, um, when I started with them, they were very, very focused on mm. quarter by quarter EBITDA achievement across the business. And it's classic, right? It's, um, uh, and it's an important target, but there wasn't really the thinking about where do we really want to take this organization in the next few years? How do we really want to be successful? I mean, there was some discussion of that, but it never really translated into significant action and significant Mm. resources. And often we get caught in those operational concerns in, in really doing, really doing the last year's job and not this year's job, right? Really like managing our, our functional concerns in the Mm. exec team, Mm. rather than stepping back and saying, uh, what are the shifts in the market? How are our ex- shareholder expectations, stakeholder expectations changing? Uh, what do we need? What's going to be different with the way our employees need to uh, work with us, with, mm-hmm. uh, with our partners, with our customers, mm-hmm. and really thinking about the outside world and the future rather than being focused in our own internal operations. And perhaps also you you alluded to the difference there between stakeholders and shareholders too. I think sometimes these companies can be far too focused on that sort of very short-term financial return by the financial markets. They can Mm. feel quite a lot of pressure in that regard, which I think pushes them to be that bit more reactive and perhaps task-focused as well, doesn't it? It creates quite a challenge. Yeah, it it is. I, I suppose I, you know, it's really about what level order thinking do you want to do? Mm. If you do first order thinking, then it's easy. Obviously, we just want to maximize this quarter and then we'll just go that, you know, as best we can and then we'll maximize next quarter. That's, but that's, anyone can do that, <laughs> right? Anyone can just focus in on what we can do this quarter. It takes a more creative and bolder, uh, more refined thinking to say, okay, how do we actually get to where we want to be in 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 eight quarters right what what do we do today that's absolutely going to wow the financial markets in eight quarters so i think when we think longer term we actually we actually serve our shareholders better than when we when we're just slaves to the short term yeah absolutely it takes a bit of courage though doesn't it a side of discipline and organization and creating the room to do that strategic thinking because lowering the organization you are rewarded for those short-term successes and now we're at the level where we need to think differently i tend to say teams tend to have three areas they they can focus on they've got to focus on tasks um and 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 learning and behaviors in fact and so very often teams don't step back out of the task world and go okay what are we learning about the market about ourselves how we operate Mm -hmm. about the organization Mm -hmm. What's changing? I often say, are we learning faster than the market, faster than our competitors? 
um, and also how are we behaving? Are we behaving in the right way? So when we're only focused on the tasks, then we tend to get into tunnel vision. When we start to step back and look at the broader system, then we can become a high value creating team. We see opportunities and we yes, see shit. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So that's, I mean, that's, that's a great observation, I guess, around that, you know, that stepping back, that ability to step back and, and creating the space to do that is, you know, it's challenging, mm. but really critical. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. So meetings. Yeah. So the third point, yeah. so summary, lack of ownership, task focus, and, and so not being strategic. And then the third one is around meetings. So mediocre meetings. Mm. Um, a couple of ways this shows up, one of which is what I call 80-20 conversations. So it's the classic situation where 20% of the people are doing 80% of the talking in your executive team discussions. So you create this lopsidedness. Uh, mm -hmm. Some people never speak, other people hog the conversation. And it's normally the same people uh, based on their personalities and their, their confidence. Um, and so what's happening is actually a large part of the team actually feeling not particularly heard or dis they're feeling disengaged they're feeling it's the conversations are not relevant to them sometimes that can happen because you're not acting as a team and actually the exec team meeting is kind of almost like independent star formation everybody reporting into the ceo and then a occasional little bit of people chipping in either side but it's not that sense of we're all here together to wrestle through a common goal that we're all committed to um, and 80-20, and then the other one is bold conversations. So normally people get on fairly well with each other, not always, but normally there's kind of on a surface level, yeah, we, we get on, we, you know, we, we appreciate each other, but there are things which are not being said. The real issues are not being called out and, and really addressed. People are kind of staying a little bit in their comfort zones. Uh, and, and so you have meetings which kind of address the easy things um and don't that possibly is linked them. sorry i didn't mean to jump mm, in but no, that's no. possibly linking looping back isn't it to that lack of ownership if you're not having the bold conversations it's almost a symptom of of not really caring enough isn't it yeah yeah mm. it, it, it could be yeah and, and or just that we haven't or just that perhaps there hasn't been the leader often the ceo hasn't created the environment where people feel i can share a failure in this group I can share mm. something I'm not sure about. I can put an idea out that I don't have all the proof for at this stage. I, um, in other words, what, 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 what's going to happen if I take a risk with this team? Am I going to be shot down? Is it going to be used against me? Or it, are people actually going to build on it? So I think very often, there is, often there's not a real sense of having each other's back in these kind of teams. Right. And so you don't feel brave to be bold then, do you? if you don't trust. Right. So that comes down to trust, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And it comes down to the environment that as a CEO that you are creating mm. for the team. Uh, you know, for example, if there is a lack of ownership, it might well be that the CEO, you're making all the decisions. I, you know, one of, one of my clients um, that um, I've been working with is really in this transition from having a very CEO dominated agenda where the CEO basically makes the decisions and the exec team just kind of give advice to moving right. to really this, this shared approach, and which is which say, well, how do we actually set things up so that we all be, that the CEO can actually empower the team mm. to make those decisions? Mm. Um, mm. And when you don't have that, I mean, again, a mediocre meeting, one summary of that is, 
it's you're not really powering through decision you know are you making high value decision after high value decision in these meetings or are they kind of full of people giving kind of rambling status updates to you um looking at you know you spend a, a chunk of your time on something and at the end of it you're not really sure what did we just agree did we agree anything did we make any decisions did we need to do this um, it can even be a financial report like often a quarterly financial update or monthly financial update mm -hmm. you can look through the numbers and then you move on to the next item there's so not you really state, you stay at fact stay at fact rather than at insight at... yes yeah, yeah. insight what and action really mean what does it really mean for the business rather than saying you know this was our performance but rather than that saying okay well what does that mean for what we're doing going forward you you're just reporting the numbers you're not adding any value to it yeah exactly so information rather than insight and decision yes. and i think the yeah. other point about decision is it's really not it's not a, it's not it's not so much about approving it's about trade-offs so again i've seen a lot of my you know um a lot of executive teams, they, they'll make decisions, they'll approve things, but they're not necessarily really asking the hard questions to force trade-offs. So mm -hmm. shall we launch this initiative? Yeah, yeah, good idea. Rather than which of these two are we going to do? Um, really if we start doing this, what do we, what do we remove? Right? Decide, the word decide, right? the roots of the word decide means to kill off. So a decision is more about what you stop doing than what you add onto your list. How interesting. I didn't know that, but it's so true, isn't it? How many teams do we see that don't do that tree trimming, you know, task trimming yeah. when they take on something new? I've got an, one client in my mind particularly that, that does that, you know, very reactive and just, you know, juggling all sorts of balls that have come down really from the chairman in their case. Their chairman is right. the one who's really dominant in mm. their situation, not even the CEO. And... Um, yeah, they're not doing that deciding at all. They're just adding yeah, and, <laughs> and, and adding and that, less and less value as a result too. Yeah, well, exactly, because uh, literally one, you know, one client, when I, when I first started working with them, they had 40 projects, I think it was, right? Um, 40 strategic projects across the company. You know, you can't, you can't manage it, right? I mean, no. there's probably five of them that are going to have 80% of the impact, but all the projects are taking ages, because, because they're all no up focus. there there's no focus and so mm. as a strategist i love working with clients to help them say okay how do we actually uh, have these hard decisions right how do we actually focus in on the essentials you know i have a little saying have a strategy don't have a smatergy you know a smattering of <laughs> smattering of stuff right um uh, just a whole load of things that you're trying to focus on a whole load of good ideas it does require you to say no though doesn't it Exactly. And that's one of the hardest things to say, you know, how do you say no to something that looks attractive or it's somebody's pet project when actually, you know, you've, you've got to make that hard call, don't you? It's tricky, you know, really, really challenging. Mm. Well, what a great space to sort of tie it together for today. I think there are lots of great ideas there for everyone around those three points that about having, you know, really great ownership, making sure that you're doing not just a ta focusing on tasks, but focusing on the strategy and then making sure your meetings are not mediocre. I think there are three really useful points for people. So, you know, next time um, we're going to look at specifically what's holding your executive team back. What are the things that you can do to really shift the dial and, and, you know, liberate your team so they do add much more value. So Richard, do you have any final thoughts to wrap that all together? 
Yeah, so two things. I think the, the first thing is just the, the roadmap for the rest of the uh, season. So, so next time we'll look, as you said, about um, how you can find out what's holding your team back. And then after that, we'll go into some of these very specific issues that we see, including some of the ones we've mentioned today in more detail, but also some others. And um, But as a final thought, I suppose I would just go back to that point I made earlier around we often confuse company performance with executive team performance. So I want to challenge you to ask, how is the changing context for your company requiring you to evolve? And what's the most important thing that only you as an executive team can actually contribute to that journey? So it might be shifting a mindset within the business, moving to a new business model, building a new capability or expanding into a new area. And once you understand what is that contribution that the exec team is uniquely able to do, who do we have to become? Uh, not just what do we do, but who are the leaders that we need to be? What are the kind of team that we need to be to be the team that can lead the business at that level and deliver at that level? I think that's the challenge. That's the transformational journey. And that's the new yardstick of success. Fantastic. And that whole idea of changing ourselves is the, the exciting one, but also possibly one of the most challenging, isn't it? No, thank you. That's that's a fantastic um, point to make. So if anyone would like to go to the um, website to get the show notes, visit xquadrant.com and forward slash podcast and you can get the whole season uh, of notes there or specifically this season is at xquadrant.com slash season three, episode one. Thanks so much, everyone. We look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye for now. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Now let's talk about you. When you're in top leadership, when you're in the biggest role of your career, who supports you at a deep level as you lead others? Who helps you multiply your impact and get to the next level? If you're ready to learn more about our content, our coaching, and our community, then visit us at xquadrant.com.